Father, you give us gifts. You call us to walk with you. And at times that walk can be very, very difficult. And we can walk and miss the trees and miss the blessings. It's possible to never even allow you to walk with us at times because our eyes are so on ourselves. And so, God, we just want to pause this morning. And again, just to, the reason we come together week after week is not to earn some kind of points of favor with you. We come because we just want our hearts to be retuned, recalibrated. We want our hearts to become soft that we wouldn't miss the blessings around us. Spirit of God, thank you for being here. Thank you. And open our hearts to even hear more of you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. You know, we've been in this passage of uh, Matthew. And, and the question I want to ask you to begin this week is, can you name on one of the fingers of, or maybe five fingers on your hand, maybe five people you intentionally blessed this last week? You go, um, and maybe it was an accidental blessing, but were your blessings that you've received have gone through you to touch another life? Or maybe as we continue through this message, you might begin to think and maybe even on a sheet of paper write down and go, God, this next week, I'm going to allow you, in fact, I'm actually going to pray about what it means for me to, to actually intentionally bless someone like you bless me. If you look at Matthew 11, verses 20 through 24, it's a very interesting passage of Scripture because it sounds so incredibly negative, but there's some great opportunity in here to understand that instead of being blind to God and so on our own paths, we can open our eyes and see His blessing as a result of seeing His blessing turn around and bless others. Last week we looked at verses 16 through 19 of this passage in Matthew 11, which highlights what people did. They complained and they criticized. Like kids offered different games, God came to people in different ways, and none of those ways were the way that they wanted. So they complained and stood on the outside and criticized. This week, verses 20 through 24, I asked you to think last week, what do you think was the response in this verse that Jesus is looking at and referring to? And in verses 20 through 24, um, Jesus highlights this time what people didn't do. What people didn't do, not what they did. If you look at verse 20, it says in verse 20, Then Jesus began to denounce the cities in which most of the miracles had been performed because they did not. They did not repent. And repentance, we get some ideas of the word. The repentance means to, to look at your life, to rethink the, the strategy, the basic 
way that you're living your life. That's, that's really what it means. It's a, it's a call that is about the mind. The mind is to take a look at your life. And so he says in this, they did not repent. In fact, they were indifferent. They listened and maybe said when they were there in the presence of Jesus, wow, this is really interesting stuff he's talking about. In fact, I haven't seen such a good show in a long time. He's funny. People are getting, their lives are being changed and and they're being prayed for and we've seen some healings and wow, that's great as they leave and walk away. You know, we often think that that which condemns us are the things that we do. So we don't do certain things, supposedly. But Jesus seems to say in this passage that we're not just going to be accountable for that which we do, those things of commission, but we're just as responsible, and in fact, even more so, for those sins of omission, things that we omit and do not do. You see, what we don't do before God is a big deal. Indifference makes a difference negatively. A yawn in the presence of God is a big deal. Oh, yeah. Got you. In the face of such blasé responses, Jesus moves from announcing his kingdom to denouncing those who hear and find themselves yawning. Not too moved. In fact, indifferent. If you turn and you see these verses in verses 21 through 24, you'll, you'll see exactly what Jesus says. He begins in verse 21 because he, he looks out at the people and he says, Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. If the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. He continues in verse 22. But I tell you, a very rabbinic way of teaching, it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, you'll be lifted up to the skies? No. You'll go down to the depths. If the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. But I tell you that it will be more bearable for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. You go, ooh, ouch. That was like a spanking, right? His point is really simple. When Jesus shows up, when the presence of God is, is, is there, when this, the Holy Spirit is moving and, and active and beginning to prompt and to see the evidence of the Holy Spirit, He not just calls us to take notice, He actually calls us to take action. And if you don't, Jesus is be warned. So I just want to share with you a few lessons from this passage of Scripture that I think we can take away. It, it, it challenged me. As I, as I worked through this message in the past few weeks, and specifically this week, and the first one is God comes to you to prevent pain. There are times when the Holy Spirit comes to you in order to prevent pain. In fact, He really wants to increase your joy. He really wants to experience more fulfillment. He really comes to you not to, to kind of put a, a, some kind of fence around your life so you can't enjoy Him. He, he does it because He knows that as you listen to Him and you respond to Him and you maybe move into an area that might be difficult or you hold back from an area that you know you shouldn't, He says that what will happen is that you will experience greater joy. And so God loves us. He, he, Jesus begins because he has to do this. He's, he's a person who's not just full of grace, but the grace evidences itself in truth. And he says, whoa, there's, there's pain ahead. 
The word woe means distress or affliction or trouble. In fact, I, I looked it up in, in the dictionary on my little website on my phone, and it had so many words I couldn't, to describe what it is like. Suffering, affliction, and on and on. So in verse 21, he says, Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. This idea of expressing sorrow and pity for the future that you've chosen. It's a cry of grief that could be translated, Oh, my heart aches for you, community of Chorazin. And my heart grieves for you, people of Bethsaida. It's as if Jesus is, is literally saying, if he was to come to you personally today because of something maybe in your life or, or something he wants you to move into and, and you've refused to, he's, it's like people, you will hit a wall and you don't even see it coming. God wants to bless. Jesus taught this in a whole different number of ways. One of the passages of Scripture that is familiar to people is Matthew 7, verses 24 to 27, where he talks about two people, two kinds of people. One who built his house on a rock and one who built his house on the sand. And when the rains came, the one on the rock stood firm on its foundation and the one on the sand actually collapsed. And at one point, Jesus looked at the people gathered before him and this is what he said. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock, who takes these truths and begins to integrate them into their life, who begins to have the sensitivity to the Spirit of God when the Spirit of God is prompting and informing who you are and, and who you're to become. And you begin to respond to that. As you begin to respond to that, you begin to walk into that truth. That truth puts you on a course where you will not just... You'll experience difficulties and hardship, but you'll experience the, the strength and the power of God. And you you will also experience his blessing and his joy and his fulfillment. You'll begin to walk in the fullness of who God is. That's, how, that's what God intended for each and every one of us. But, he says, if you, if you hear these words of mine and you don't put them into practice, it's foolishness. It's like the guy who built his house in the sand. I just have to stand up and say, whoa, whoa. So he looks at the people before him and he says, My heart is burdened for you because you hear my words, but you're indifferent. It doesn't seem to move you. And Jesus, I think, is pulling hard on the reins of possibly someone's life here today. And saying, Man, I, I want I want to enter into your experience. I want to enter into your life so that you're your kids will experience something different. I want to enter into your life so that your, your, your significant other, your wife, your husband, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, whoever it is, might know something different. I want to enter into your life. There's a second opportunity. Uh, a second uh, truth here, a lesson, and that is that opportunities end and doors actually do shut. That's what Jesus seems to be saying. Woe is to get your attention. Look at, you're going to hit a wall. There is pain. I didn't intend this for you. I don't intend this for you. That's why I've come. That's why I want you to take your eyes and begin to look at all the blessings around you and look at what I want for you. But he says in verse, in these verses two times, he says, there is a day of judgment that is coming. It will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. Or a little bit later, it will be more bearable for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. There is this idea, woe, there is a day when the 
opportunity will come to an end. There is a day that the door will close. There is a time when God calls out and God speaks and God continues to prompt and he comes continue to, to search after you. But there is a t- point where the heart comes to a place of hardness or the heart moves in such a direction and doesn't respond that, that God says there will be a judgment. There will come a time. At some p- point, the opportunity to choose a different direction will pass and the day will come when the possibility for change will end and the door will close. And he's calling out the people who are indifferent. Indifference is is really what I call the easy path. It, It means just continuing where you've been going, the routine. Doing the same thing day after day in spite of what you know and not changing. Jesus taught this as well at one point. He he taught these truths in many different ways. He would tell stories in Luke chapter 17, verses 26 to 27. Jesus says, in some ways, when God comes to people, it's like the days of Noah. Just as it was in days of Noah, so also will be the days of the Son of Man. People were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark, and then the flood came and destroyed them all. God came. He patiently and lovingly on many occasions in those days of Noah warned through Noah, and people came to him, and they looked at Noah, and, and they criticized Noah. They stood outside. They complained about using up his time, whatever it was, and yet there were other people who never came. They were just indifferent. They saw they just didn't take in and make any change. And so I just want to ask, in light of the fact that, that God, through Jesus, says, woe, and in light of the fact that he says there is a day of judgment, that opportunities will end, I want to say very clearly, it is possible, says Jesus, to walk through life in such a way that you never open your heart to God. It is possible to walk in a direction where you might experience good things now. You might be eating, drinking, and marrying and doing these things, and yet never come to a place of, 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 of true repentance where you say, God, I realize the direction of my life. I realize that you've been calling me, and he's, he's asking you to turn around because there will be a day of accountability for your life. And, and the, the Word of God makes it very clear. If you do not humble and, and open your heart and, and move to a place where you respond to him, there will be a day of judgment. Or you can turn. And you can begin to enter into his goodness and his blessing by just opening your heart and saying, God, um, I may not even understand all this, but I do know that I, I need to come before you, recognize my indifference, and begin to say, God, what do you want me to do? There, there's lots of ways that, that indifference um, can cause problems in our life and, and, and opportunities can come to an end. I remember the first time when I was a kid, this whole idea that opportunities come to an end and doors shut and close um, really came home to me. When we were kids, my brother, who was just a couple years older than me, we would fight once in a while. I know it's hard to believe, but it's true. And, and we, would, we, would, we would fight. But Fridays were the days that was our family night. And so we would, on family nights, do something special. And, and once in a while, we would go to a movie. And going to a movie was a big deal. I mean, to go to see Mary Poppins was like, whoa. And so I remember it was, it was going to be a family movie night. And for some reason, my brother and I were, were not doing real well that day. And, and Mom you know, said, you know, she laid the law down. And she said, you know, Dad's coming home in a little bit. And I'll let him handle this. Well, that's a little scary for guys. 
but it didn't seem to really make much of a difference. And we continue to fight and we continue to fight. My dad said, you guys keep it up and we're not going tonight. I thought, yeah, we've heard that before. You know how parents, you know how you do that. You're driving the car and you turn to the kids. You say, you guys don't stop. We're turning around right now and going home. And you're going, yeah, like, right. You're 400 miles away from home on a vacation. (laughs) And kids are a little smarter than we give them credit for. But this time, it continued, and my dad came in and he said, Guys, we're not going out tonight. And we begged and pleaded, and we were the best kids for the next hour. (laughs) Angels. But the time came to an end. And I think Jesus says this out of love. He doesn't say this because he's, he's trying to be mean and, and really take away our fun. He's saying it to a dad who's so invested in his work and his time is so there that his kids are being cheated of his life. And he's looking at you and he's going today, you know what, you have an opportunity to not just get invested in your work and do something and, 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 and get further ahead. You have an opportunity not just to make more money. You have an opportunity to give your life to your child, but even more important than that, to give your life to me so that you begin to know me, so that what you pass on is what we saw here in this dedication, is you pass on the life of God from generation to generation. I just want to say to some of you men... I, There's an opportunity this Tuesday morning called Men's Fraternity where where it talks about giving your heart and your life and and what it means to be the kind of man that God wants you to be in your home. And I just want to invite you, if you haven't, that might be an opportunity for you to say, you know, I could invest an hour and a half on a Tuesday morning at 6 a.m. A little sacrifice. Your opportunities come to an end. There is an opportunity sometimes, and I could have some people come up here. I could have a couple men come up here. I could have some women come up here and say, at a certain point, the opportunity possibly in your own marriage relationship moves to a point where either there's a bitterness that creates a separation, and in some cases a divorce, or a bitterness that continues to come in that creates a hardness that the intimacy that you long for, that you most want, won't be there because you have lost that opportunity after God has come to you maybe time and again through the other person or through other people where you can make a change and you can kind of bow your head and your heart before God and say, God, do whatever it takes. I'll go into counseling. I'll, do, I'll, I'll, I'll go into some kind of uh, situation where I get some help from someone else and confess what's going on. Whatever it may take, God says, right now there's an opportunity. Because He doesn't want you to experience pain. He's, he's through His Holy Spirit to you right now going, Whoa! Paul in the reins of your life. And he's saying again, there is a time of accountability. There's a time of judgment. There is a day when it will, when it will end. And you won't have the opportunity. Some of you have been blessed in such ways financially that God has given you much and you've been storing it. And there are opportunities to bless people today, right now. That you won't have that opportunity again. Some of you have, have some time and some energy and, and, and you, you can take that time and energy and you can bless someone right now. There's a third lesson. The greater the privilege, the greater the responsibility. If you look at the contrast Jesus makes here, here here's, the, here's the, the crux of this message. When you have been given much, you are expected much in return. Verse 21, if the miracles that were performed for you, in you, that were performed in you, among you, had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago. 
They would actually put on sackcloth and ashes, which is a sign of, of mourning, of loss. I can't believe that, that my life, my indifference even, my procrastination maybe of moving into a place and saying I'll do it sometime later, my, my preoccupation with my own things could somehow create what could come. And, and so because I finally got a picture of what it could be, I remember one... I, I was, you know, I've talked about my high blood pressure, which really isn't that high, to be honest. But anyway, it was high enough that the doctor said, you need to go on a little bit of something to take the edge down. Well, I, I shared that about a year ago or whatever time I was here. And after the service, someone came to me because I was debating about, you know, what I was going to do and showed me the results of not taking care of it. And I went, whoa, that week I made an appointment. I say that because there is this sense that he says they put on sackcloth and ashes because they would actually look and they would actually see the result. And if they in their heart and their mind get a picture of what the spirit is saying, get a picture of what could happen. And you won't do it again. I don't even know what that looks like. You can think of things in your own life. I think of a couple years back when I kept going, well, I'll turn off the faucets in the house, you know, that lead to the outside. It was October, and then I got busy in November, and then all of a sudden I had this hard freeze, and everything got cold, and I kept thinking, oh, it'll thaw up. It didn't thaw up, and guess what? I kept the heat around it, trying, and it broke. I, I have in my calendar a certain day now that I will always turn off that water. Duh. You look at where your life might be headed if you, by the eyes of the Spirit, say, pay attention to it. And you know what? None of us are, you don't have to really search really hard. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of God is so active, He wants to be involved in your heart. And He will begin to kind of, to push in your heart. And if it's, if it's an area in your work where if you don't take care of this, or you're in your finances, or maybe it's an area of a relationship, or maybe it's a need to move into forgiveness with someone and to reconcile, I don't know what it might be, but the Spirit of God is very good at pointing out what your particular need is. Not your neighbors. And he, he makes this very clear. He says, they would have repented. But I tell you, because they, 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 they could see, at least, if they could have seen what, they, what you've seen. But I tell you, it'll be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. Basically, Tyre and Sidon, you've got to understand, were godless pagan port cities in the territory of Galilee. They weren't cities of Israel. They would have been taken at one point, but they weren't ever taken. And they, they were just godless pagan port cities. All the stuff you know that can happen there. And they were denounced by the prophets, by Amos and Joel and Ezekiel and Isaiah and Zechariah. They were all of them condemned as, as modern day Babylons. That's, when they hear Tyre and Sidon, they're hearing that. And he's saying, you, Corazon, in Bethsaida, which is right around the Lake of Galilee, these nice Jewish little communities that were really good, good in a sense, church-going people, very moral. In other words, he's saying, you are worse than they are. And here's why. Because you go through your daily routine unaffected by what you have happening all around you. You're good Jewish people going about your daily life you don't have any of the grossness and any of the, the major sins, so to speak, of Tyre and Sidon, but you're worse off. Because you have God in your very midst and you don't perceive it. 
It's like you wrote in your song, Carrie. It's like you can get so, so absorbed in yourself that you can miss the trees and the blessings and all the things around you. You've been given much, but you don't seem to care. So what does responding to God mean for you with all that he has given you? The fourth lesson is this. You've been blessed to bless. You've been blessed to bless. I think it's interesting that he, he talks about Tyre and Sidon and he talks about, about Chorazin and, and Bethsaida, but then he goes to Capernaum as the last one, as kind of the prime example of unresponsive indifference. Look how he closes this section of verse 24. It's, it's kind of like he's winding down, you know, how a target and you keep going into the center. And Jesus closes in verse 23 by saying, And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to the skies? No. You'll go down to the depths. And if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. But I tell you that it will be more bearable for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. What you have to understand is that this city of Capernaum was an incredibly blessed city materially, physically, and in so many ways. A beautiful city, right on the, the, the edge of the coast of the Sea of Galilee. It was this trade route that, was, that was, um, had all kinds of uh, people from Damascus going down to the Mediterranean, down to Egypt, and to different places where they would be trading. And, and it was this main thoroughfare that, was, that had become incredibly prosperous due to that, as well as the fact that it was on this beautiful lake with this incredible fishing center. But Jesus says, even as blessed in commerce and arts and education and all that you have, there's one unequaled, insurpassable blessing that you have. Capernaum was the home base for Jesus for three years. The very presence of God was in their midst. It wasn't some building like a temple in Jerusalem. This was the modern day home of God. Think of that. That's where God lived in Jesus. And in Jesus were all kinds of blessings being scattered to a centurion servant, to a paralytic who was lowered into a house. There was a ruler's daughter who had been healed, and everyone in the town knew about this. There was a woman with an issue of blood who told everyone, because they had many of them had known her for 12 years or more, seeking one doctor to medication to remedy to another, and nothing being done. There was the, the day that Jesus walked into the synagogue, and, and here was a man who, was, who had been demonized, and as a result of it, the message and truth and the presence of God, this demonic spirit spoke out and Jesus released him. And this person was now praising God. There was miracle after miracle. We can't even count them all. John even says you could never calculate and tabulate all that he did. And there it was in this place before these people was God in his presence. Oh, yeah, good show. Yeah, you hear that Jesus guy today? He was really funny. Yeah, did you hear how he took after some of those fairies? That was really, really cool. I don't like those guys either. So self-righteous prigs. God was present. And I believe, I have sensed it here. God is present doing a work. And he is moving in our midst. And, you know, I haven't, as a leader, done things well, you haven't responded. All this stuff, but God is at 
work. We all know it. And we can't stand outside, complain, and criticize. We cannot be indifferent. It is okay, like I said a week ago, to go through the process of questioning, just like John the Baptist did. It's okay to try and understand when God is moving in a new way. When God moves in a new way, yeah, it causes questions, because it wasn't the way that I knew or it felt like or whatever is going on. But it is okay, but it is not okay to yawn in the presence of God. Try doing it when your boss is not happy with you and he's sitting there and he's explaining to you the things that he really believes needs to get done to turn this thing around and you just are kind of like looking out the window. It's not going to work. And he says this whole idea of, you know, what do you think you're, you know, this idea of you're going up, but rather you're going down. He's making a really important distinction here. Is this sense that you think you're going up. Well, reality is they were going up. They were going up in all the measures you could imagine. Attendance and finance. All these measures were moving up. And he says, but in reality, you think you're going up, but you're not. You're really going down. Because your heart isn't being formed the way I want it to be formed. That is what God desires for each and every one of us. That's what God desires for this body. Is that our hearts are formed into the very, into the very likeness of God himself, who is one who loves. And that love that you experience from him allows for you to turn around and say, God, I am going to bless others with this life you've given me. And and these people knew what he was alluding to. Isaiah 14, 14 and 15. These were verses that they knew well because it was from the mouth of the king of Babylon, this arch enemy of God, who Isaiah actually takes the king of Babylon and he puts in the mouth of this king of Babylon really the words of Satan himself where he says "Have you fall, how you have fallen from heaven O morning star son of dawn reminds you of something Jesus said at one point too you've been cast down to earth once you who once laid low the nations you said in your heart I will ascend to heaven you catch that? you said in your heart I'll ascend to heaven I'll raise my throne above the stars of God I'll be enthroned I'll ascend I'll make myself like the most high God but he ends it by saying but you are brought down to the grave to the depths of the pit do you see the illusion? And you, Capernaum, you who think you are going to ascend and be lifted up to the sky, no, you're going down. You're going down to the depths. In a sense, he says, think of what you might consider to be the worst city today. Think about it. What do you think it is? Hollywood? Uh, Las Vegas? Mexico with its drug cartels? Bangkok with its slave trade? Calcutta with all its poor and poverty and its some wealth? In a sense, Jesus is saying to them, think of the worst city you can think of. And they're all going, yeah, I I think I got it. He goes, what's your top one? And they're all going, Sodom. Yeah, we all (laughs) don't want to be near Sodom. And he goes, well, revise your list, because did anybody here pick Capernaum? That's, That's the one. That's number one. You, Capernaum, are worse because God's presence is before you and you ignore it. You yawn. You're indifferent. You fail to respond to his initiatives. You have been blessed. And it's huge when you note the contrast. Capernaum exceeded Chorazin and Bethsaida in privilege, is what Jesus is saying. That's why he's building this argument down. Sodom exceeded Tyre and Sidon in their wickedness. And here you have the contrast. The most blessed city of Capernaum becomes the most severely judged. Because we who have been most blessed have greatest opportunities to bless others. 
And when God blesses, He expects blessing in return. So what are, what are we doing? What are you doing with God's blessing? I know one of the things that we're seeking to do is a body is we're, we're, we're looking at um, one of the main measures that we look at is, is what is God doing in and through us as he, as he moves through different areas of ministry, through this yellow ribbon or, or through the blood drive, all these different ways that we can bless people. I, I could list a whole bunch of them. It's our desire to do that. But opportunities don't last forever. Doors do shut. Privilege brings responsibility. And when we're blessed, we're called to bless. And so I just thought I would end this morning with another great opportunity for us to bless people. I'm going to share with you a story about a young girl. who's not young as young now. Let me put it that way. But as a young girl, given an opportunity for education, she grew up in one of the poorest of poors in a third world country. Went to a school where there was no funding. There was five of them who had no funding. And they were, going, they were called into the office to be released because they didn't have the funds to keep them. But one of them was called back to the office and, and, and said, you know what? Some anonymous donor has given some money so you can have an education. And because you have the highest grades of the five, you can have it. And I just thought to myself, what a great opportunity. Could you imagine if that, that child would have at, at some point done, you know, I'll work harder next semester. I mean, it's a great privilege here. I'm at the school. I'm at, you know, no one's funding me at this point and I'm in the school. And, you know, maybe I'll put some effort in next semester right now. I just... But the opportunity was there, and, and this person engaged in the opportunity, and then God blessed this person. And that this young girl, after she kind of thought about it, was raised and, and, and had gone through her schooling, said in her heart, Lord, you've blessed me. If I can help someone else and I can teach them, I will. And she did. She graduated, began to teach. And she was a gifted teacher and, and was doing well in her work. And and at one point, remembered the opportunity that she had had, and she actually quit her job and, and chose to, to do what was in her heart because she prayed again to the Lord, Lord, you have blessed me, and I came from such poverty. If I can teach someone who also is poor, I will. And so he, she did. And then God blessed her, and she had three kids meeting in her home, and these three kids, not in her home, met in a brothel during the afternoon. Okay? And, and, and that grew to such a point that they couldn't meet there anymore. And then God, through another miracle, provided a school. And that school began to grow. And that school has grown to almost 500 students. Because a person said, God, you've blessed me. Can I bless someone else? And I'm going to ask Mama Tash to come up if she would. Because she's here with us. And the facility that we're going to be involved with in a lot of different ways now I hear God is doing some neat things is grown to the point now where I should tell you that um, that this school today is one of the top 10 schools of 15,000 in Tanzania. Three of those students are graduating to go to university, right? And those three who were, um, I believe, orphans who all want to go back to their communities or to places where they can bless others. And uh, of this school of 500, half of them are orphans due to AIDS crisis. Is that correct? Yes. And, you know, we, we met and we were going to kind of tell the story a little bit more. And we kept working on it. And I just said, you know what? Just stand up here for a few minutes and tell people what's on your heart. So have at it. Well, I have the honor to thank you, Pastor, and the congregation in this church. As Pastor said, I was a little girl, now I'm old mama. 
I didn't really mean that. But. And I had to save the call from, I mean, the call to hear the call and work on the call. I had the call to save orphans, but I didn't know how and when I had, but I had to listen to God. As Pastor said, I resigned from my teaching and started just with three orphans. I said, I will teach these children. They have no way. No one will take care of them. But now I'm saving more than 500 children. See how God works. And as Pastor said, the first three kids, they are going to university this year in November after our elections in my country, Tanzania. The primary school started in my house, in my sitting room, with my children. And we didn't know what to do, but God knew. Because when he called me, I said, here I am, Lord, show me the way. And I, how did I come to America then? Well, there was a professor, Edward Rob, from Iowa, at, a, at Ward of College, who came to Tanzania, stayed with my family, and he is the one who brought my children to America. That was a miracle to my family. And then, when I came to America, he said, no American can give his money. I have to start an organization where we can have 501c3. And the organization is known as Friends of Africa Education, which is here in Minnesota, and mainly people from King of Kings, Woodbury, know about this organization. And we didn't have a place to go, but people from America have been donating money, they have been sponsoring children, and now we have 12 classrooms. And we have a dining hall and a kitchen. While all those years we were cooking outside and eating outside. And one of the best things in Tanzania, children go to school hungry the whole day and then go back. But I thought, Lord, you have given me these children. What should I do? Then I started the program of giving them breakfast and lunch. And that is all they have until the next day when they come back to school. And now, as I said, this is our first time to eat in a dining room and a kitchen and classrooms which have been built by people who have donated money. And as Pastor said, St. Margaret is the best, one of the best schools in the country, in the nation. 
And last year, we were the ninth out of 1,400-800 schools. So, I have a long story, but I have just a short message to you. This message is, when you hear the call from God, don't hesitate. Just say, here I am, Lord. Here am I. Show me the way. He's there. He's ready. And always he says, don't be afraid. I will just hold you with my righteous hands. And you will go ahead. Many people have been giving reasons when they hear the voice of God. Today when I was praying, God said, tell my people about Nehemiah. When God called him, he said, Lord, but you know I'm very young, and you know I can't speak. But he said, I will touch your tongue and put my words in you. So, I wish I had a long time to uh, speak. What, but, can, I, what, can I just say? After this service, in the fellowship hall, Mama Tesha is going to share a lot more of her story and some other things as well. And so if you would like to hear that, I think that's okay, isn't it, for that class to invite everyone in. Um, And we will do that. And the thing that hit me when we talked was just what you said. When God calls, don't hesitate. Let's pray. Father, thank you. We want to respond to you. And to walk with you. And I thank you for how you have... I know Mama Tasha would be the first to tell you that she is not perfect. She's made mistakes. It's not about us. It's just about what you want to do. So God, I pray for people here who, are, um, who have heard your voice. And uh, it may be in a small way. Maybe it's, a, it's getting right with someone and, and having forgiveness um, take place or... Maybe it's getting engaged in their family. Whatever it might be, God, I pray that you would be honored and glorified and lifted up and work through this, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.